and he makes all things work together for the what? For the good. For the good. Carla, you crushed it. Way to go, girl. Yeah. Wow, what a debut. Thank thank the Lord for the gifts that he's given you and Gary and just for the leadership you bring to our worship. As the kids make their way downstairs, uh, we're going to wrap up this morning on a series that we started at the beginning of the year. The series is entitled Redo. And uh, if you've been with us, you know that over the past few weeks we've been looking at some big guys in the Bible and how God gave them a second chance. He gave them a redo, and we've been talking about how he'll do the same for you. We talked about Paul's reversal in week one, where he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and his life was absolutely transformed. Then we looked at King David's redemption uh, following his sin with Bathsheba. And then we talked last week about Peter's reinstatement after his denial of Jesus. And today we're going to close this series with the refreshment of Elijah. The refreshment of Elijah. Elijah was the greatest prophet in all of Scripture. Let me ask you something. You know, we started this series the first Sunday uh, of 2020, and we were really posturing it in such a way that we were looking back to last year and to some places we might need to redo, some places that God uh, might need to forgive us for in order to propel us into a new year. So let me ask you this question uh, today. Did last year take it out of you? I see some heads nodding. I mean, did you step into 2020 maybe exhausted, depleted, I don't know about you, and yeah, I've, you know, I'm open book. I've shared some of this stuff with you um, actually that first week. Christmas is exhausting for me and, and for a lot of folks. I mean, that, you know, that's our high time of the year, obviously. Um, but uh, just at home and with everything that goes on in those 30 days, it can just take its toll on you. And I know it, uh, it does on me and it did on me this year. But, but maybe 2019 was, was a good year for you. Maybe it was a great year for you, but it still took its toll on you. Or maybe, and I've talked to many of you, and know that uh, it may have been a tough year. And it drained you. It drained you emotionally. It drained you physically. It may have drained you financially and, and even spiritually or possibly all the above. And so whether you're coming off a big win in 2019 or if you're coming through a season of loss, either way you can find yourself empty and exhausted and in need of refreshment. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How do we find that fresh wind? How do we find that refreshment from the Lord when we've just got nothing left to give? And really, as we look at the story of Elijah in the book of 1 Kings, we see that theme of refreshment woven throughout the story. 
highs and lows, if you're familiar with the story, and God's faithfulness to bring a fresh wind when it was needed. Many of you could use that fresh wind this morning. Elijah, as I said, was the greatest prophet in all of Israel. He served, actually, during the reign, during the reign of the worst king of Israel, King Ahab. And his story is found primarily in 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning or you've got your Bible on your phone or tablet, go ahead and turn there with me now. 1 Kings chapter 17. In a nutshell, it's a long and winding story, but, but to make a long story short, King Ahab married a pagan woman by the name of Jezebel. And that's where we get that term. And through her influence, pagan worship began to seep in to Israel. And the false gods of Baal and Ashtoreth were becoming the centerpieces of worship in Israel. But the one true God of Israel, Yahweh, is a jealous God. And so he had Elijah prophesy to the nation of Israel an extended drought on the land. And he knew that King Ahab wouldn't be happy with Elijah for that prophecy, so God instructed Elijah to hide from Ahab in a valley where ravens would come and feed him, and a brook would refresh him. Eventually, during the drought, the brook dries up, and the Lord moves Elijah. He sends him to a small village to meet a widow who will feed him and keep him moving forward. When he meets the widow, she tells him that she only has a small amount of flour and just a little bit of oil left that the drought has been long and it has taken its toll on her and her family. And she's got just enough left to prepare a final meal for her and her son before they die. And Elijah says to her in 1 Kings 17 verse 13, don't be afraid. He said, go home and do as you have said. Prepare that meal. But first, he said, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. That's a big ask when that's all you've got left. And Elijah goes on to say this. He says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord brings rain on the land. In other words, that little bit of what you've got is going to last you until the Lord brings refreshment. And it's God's promise. In other words, I'll meet your needs, God says, until the drought is over. If you'll trust me. hard to have faith when you're hungry, though, isn't it? Hunger has an urgency about it, as do so many other things in life. 
It's hard to give God the little you have left and trust He'll sustain you. But over and over and over again in the Scripture, we see God asking us to do that. Man, maybe you're in that place this morning. You've got just a little bit left to give. Just a little bit left to give to that relationship you've been working so hard at. Just a little bit left to give emotionally. Or maybe you're in a tough spot financially and you've got just a little bit left to give. And you're running on empty. Spiritually, emotionally. Maybe you're running on empty physically. Maybe you've gotten some news recently that was devastating. You know, the question is, like with the widow, are we willing to give the little bit we have left to God and trust Him to sustain us? Isn't that faith? What does Hebrews say? Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. That's faith. And so much of our angst, and I'm preaching to myself this morning, so much of our exhaustion, so much of our emptiness comes from not believing that God can and will provide. We don't believe it. Especially in this culture where we've got not just everything we need, but just about everything we want. But we keep asking for more and more and more. Man, the widow at Zarephath, down to her last meal, this was so far from a want. I mean, that was it. If that was gone, she and her son were gone. She could either cling to the little bit that she had left and die, literally, she could trust God with it and live. And we have that same choice time and time again in our lives. It's a crisis of belief. What am I going to do? Is it about self-preservation? Or is it about trusting the promise of God that He will meet His children's needs? crisis of belief that we all face in times of need. And I think what we learn from the widow here as we read on is this, that faith fosters refreshment. Faith brings the fresh wind that we long for from the Lord. Believing God can and will provide for us. If we will let Him and we will ask Him, hydrates our soul. The widow went away and she did as Elijah had told her to do. And so there was food every day for Elijah. He's refreshed. He's sustained. And food for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping 
with the word, in keeping with the promise of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And honoring and trusting God with the little she had left sustained her moving forward. It refreshed her soul and it invited the Lord's strength and power into her life. Where do you need that this morning? Where do you need God's strength? Where do you need God's power? Where do you need God's promise in your life this morning? Where do you need to entrust the Lord with the little you have left and believe He'll sustain you? Faith fosters refreshment. Faith brings a fresh wind when we're willing to trust God beyond our understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And in the widow's case, if you're familiar with the story, her faith even fostered a resurrection. Sometime later, First King, Kings tells us, the Bible says, her son got sick and he stopped breathing and he died. And Elijah came and Elijah prayed over the boy and God raised him from the dead. And that widow's son would become the first of eight people resurrected in the Scripture besides Jesus. Jesus was the only one not to die again, though. She gave the little she had to the Lord, and He not only provided for her, but He performed a miracle for her family. And maybe you need that this morning. Faith fosters refreshment. Give him the little bit you've got. Jesus compares it to a mustard seed. Just a faith the size of a mustard seed. Give him the little bit you've got and trust him to move that mountain. Whatever that mountain is in your life today. Back to Elijah. During this time while Elijah is with the widow and he's being sustained and he's being refreshed, Jezebel has gotten wind that that Elijah is the culprit. He's the one that, that prophesied this drought and she wants his head. And so she begins killing off all of Israel's prophets. And so God instructs Elijah at that point strangely enough, to turn himself in to King Ahab and to challenge King Ahab to a showdown to see whose God is actually real. Is it the God of Baal and Ashtoreth or is it the one true God of Israel? And so Ahab, if you're familiar with the story, he sends 850 pagan prophets to Mount Carmel. 850 prophets to oppose the one prophet, Elijah. And so Elijah sets up a showdown where an altar is built. And the first God to respond when they are called upon with fire on that altar is the one true God. 
And so the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth call on their God. They dance and they shout and they cut themselves until they bleed from morning to night. Nothing. No answer. Nothing's happening. They've exhausted themselves. And then it's Elijah's turn. Just to add insult to injury, he, he soaks the altar with water to make it even more difficult to be you know, consumed by fire. And he calls on the name of the God of Israel and fire comes from heaven and consumes the bull and consumes the altar. And when the people saw this, the Scripture says, they fell to the ground and they cried and they said, The Lord, Yahweh, He is God, the Lord. He is God. And so all of Israel turned their hearts back to God. And the 850 pagan prophets were slain that day. Big day for Elijah, wouldn't you say? A cloud formed in the distance as big as your fist. Got bigger and bigger and bigger. And on that day the drought ended. And the rains came. If you're familiar with the story, you know what happens next. Immediately after the biggest victory of Elijah's ministry, the pinnacle of his faith, he crashed and he burned. And so it's not just when we fail that we run out of steam, but oftentimes our lowest lows will follow our highest highs. Has anybody ever experienced that? And I know I have. Elijah was depleted. He was drained. And his perspective was distorted. He kept saying, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one who worships the God of Israel. I'm the only one left. And yet there were prophets who had been hidden and many still worshipped the Lord But his perspective was distorted. And our perspectives can get distorted when we're depleted. And then he hears that Jezebel has a price on his head. And so after defeating 850 pagan prophets, he tucks tail and runs from one woman. I kind of get that, but um, that's not completely foreign to me. And he went from one extreme to the other. His great faith turned to great fear. Just like that. Elijah was afraid. Chapter 19, verse 3. And he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He isolated himself. He separated himself from his brother. And his servant and went on by himself. And when we're on that, in that place, that's our tendency. It's to not let anybody know. And it's to try to do it ourselves and do it alone. And that always gets us in trouble. He went a half day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree. 
He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I mean, think about this. What a whiplash from where he had just come from. The greatest victory of Israel to that day, much less Elijah's ministry. And he prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. How many of you have said that? Lord, I have had enough. I think we've all been there. And I know I have. Again, our lowest lows often follow our highest highs. We're vulnerable in the time of victory. Twelve years ago, uh, right after we completed construction uh, on this building and cut the ribbon, and we were meeting in the, uh, the school across the street for a number of years, and we had floated around Roswell, uh, myself and just a handful of folks, um, started this church from scratch uh, about 15 and a half uh, years ago and uh, with nothing. I mean, we didn't have a chair. We didn't have a bank account. We didn't have anything. Started it in our den, um, Kim and I did, at the house. And uh, ultimately, you know, we grew and we moved into schools and some places I'd rather not talk about and um, just worship wherever we could. Um, and, and then after four years of, of being nomadic and what have you, um, we had been given this piece of land right here, a half a million dollar piece of land just anonymously laid at the elders' feet. We were meeting in the school across the street. And, you know, hey, we didn't have any money. I mean, it's nice to have some land, but, uh, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So we said, Lord, you know, what can you do? Um, what do we need to do? And so we just said, hey, we need some money. We need to build something over there. And in 14 months... We had about 70 people, something like that. In 14 months, I, I still don't know how it happened, God raised $1.2 million in cash. 14 months through 70 people and friends of what God was doing here. We were able to build this building. And I can remember, so we opened the building. We were our own contractor and our, our own developer. That was my first mistake. Um, Larry Humble, who has moved to Florida at this point, but um, took that on, and, and he and I kind of drove that train. And uh, by the time we uh, cut the ribbon and, and moved into this building, I mean, basically for four years, I, I had been running as hard as I could go. I mean, a single pastor, church, you know, plant, just trying to get things off the ground. And I, I was just done. And, and what should have been the high point, and what was the high point of my ministry of cutting that ribbon and coming in here, and nobody knew it, or maybe they did, maybe some of you did, I was done. I, I, I mean, it, it almost couldn't even celebrate it because I was so depleted and exhausted. Has anybody ever found themselves in that place? I, and... It was a very, very challenging time um, in in my ministry, and I didn't I didn't want to admit it admit it uh, to anybody. It was like you know Elijah, I'm going to go on without my servants. I'm not going to tell them what's going on. I didn't want anybody to know. 
uh, because, man, I didn't want to, uh, you know, rain on the parade. It was such a big time for us. Uh, but, man, I felt alone. Uh, when there were more people around than there had ever been. You know, crowds don't fill you up. Crowds don't make you feel less alone. Only the Lord can do that. But like Elijah, I said to the Lord, and I can remember saying to the elders, I finally, you know, came clean with them. I said, man, guys, I've had enough. You know, I was depressed. It was a rough, rough time. But the highest time that we had ever had in ministry here Elijah lay down under the tree, and he fell asleep. Verse 5, chapter 19. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and then he laid down again. Did you know sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep? I discovered that in that season. I had to unplug, man. I had to get off the rat race. I could not go on anymore. I had to change the way I was doing ministry, change the way I was doing life, and realize that it wasn't up to me, that I wasn't really driving this train, and that God could do this with or without me. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and he touched Elijah and he said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up and he ate and he drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And then he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah And God said to him, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Has God ever asked you that question? What are you doing here? How did you get where you are? Man, life has a way of taking us to places that we never intended to go. Amen? The question is, how do we get back to where we need to be? 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? You know, we long for the big win. We long to be successful. We long for the frantic pace because that makes us feel important. 
We long for the whirlwind to feel useful, even in God's kingdom. How big can we build it? How fast can we go? How many people can we reach? But Elijah learned that day, just as I did 12 years ago, God is found not in the whirlwind, but in the whisper. It's not the way our culture operates. It's countercultural, but it's true. God's not found in the whirlwind, as He showed Elijah, but He's found in the whisper. And it took me actually years to recover. Still recovering probably to this day, but I have learned so much. Learned to adjust my pace, (laughs) prioritize my family, and find a healthy balance to life. But through that difficult season, God taught me, as He taught Elijah, (laughs) that refreshment is found not in the frantic pace. It's found in the quiet place. It's only found in the quiet place. As Gary and Carla come back to the stage, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you heard that whisper? When's the last time you slowed down enough, turned everything down enough, got off the treadmill, the rat race, and really heard his still small voice? Do you need to be refreshed today? Maybe you need to step out of the whirlwind this morning and listen for that whisper. The whisper that tells you that you are not alone. That you've got what it takes. That your life is precious to God. No matter what your circumstances or your feelings are telling you. Not because of what you do or what you have. But because you are His child. And you are fully forgiven and totally accepted because of what Christ Jesus has done on your behalf. Jesus invites us to be refreshed. He invites us to Himself. He said this, Jesus said, Come to Me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, worn out, exhausted, depleted, depressed, lonely. I'll give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, connect yourself to me. Let me walk with you. Let me refresh you. Let me carry you along. And he said, learn from me. Learn my rhythm. Learn how I do life. He said, man, I'm gentle. And I'm humble in heart. And in that place, in that whisper, with me, you'll find rest. You'll be refreshed. Your soul 
will be hydrated. So this morning, we close this series and we close this service with an opportunity to respond to that invitation. Jesus just said, come to me. Come to me. Bring the last little bit you've got emotionally, physically, spiritually. Come to me. And like the angel who brought bread and water to Elijah, Jesus is offering himself to us. His body broken on our behalf. His blood, the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of our sin. He invites us to this table in remembrance of Him. And in remembering Him, we remember who we are as God's children. And God has promised to meet every need His children bow our heads Father thank you that you are a God who is true to his promises thank you Father as we learn from the widow and as we learn from Elijah that we can give you everything we've got Lord, and you will meet our needs moving forward. You will sustain us. You'll give us living water, as Jesus said, to hydrate our souls. I just pray for those in the room today who who need that for whatever reason, Lord, just need to be hydrated spiritually. Father, as we approach this table, this table that Jesus commanded us And invited us to come to as believers. I pray, Father, you would use it symbolically to refresh those who come. Use it symbolically to meet the needs that are in this room that are unstated. Fill the depleted places. Bring rain to the dry and cracked soil of our lives and be our Father. Wrap your arms around us today. Refresh us in Jesus' name. Amen.